Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast by Enterprise DNA. This is a podcast which dives into a range of different ideas and tips to empowering a data-led culture within organizations. We want you to develop the analytic mind to create immense value for yourself and your team. Okay, welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast. I'm excited to have on with us today, Bharath Natarangan. Bharath has got a wealth of experience across a whole range of companies, actually, and also dealing with lots of different business functions and then also well-versed in a lot of technology. So there's so many different ways I think this conversation can go today, which I'm really excited about. Currently, you're working at a business called Keysight Technologies as the business intelligence and automation manager, uh, from what I, from what I believe, and and Keysight isn't you know it's not it's not a brand that I honestly um, knew too much about, but I did a bit of research before I call, and it's a huge company, absolutely massive company that deals in so many interesting parts of the technology space. So yeah, I mean, there's just, there's, I'm excited to dive into a whole range of different things. But one of you know we start, we kick things off by I'll just throw to you, and and maybe you can just give a, a bit, bit better background about what you're doing now and um, what you've done in the past in the analytics space. Sure. Thanks, Sam. Happy to be here. So I'm a company called Keysight. So Keysight is a large global test and measurement equipment company. So it's the original HP, actually. So it's like an 80-year-old company. And um, so Keysight focuses on providing test and measurement solutions for for telecom uh, companies like Apple and Samsung and many others, as well as semiconductor companies like Broadcom, Qualcomm, all the major semiconductor companies, as well as emerging new markets like IoT, automotive solution, battery testing, like so Tesla, all the all the battery, all the EV companies. So, and the key set is trying to move aggressively into software with acquisitions. So there are a lot of different tailwinds for Keysight's business, and there is a huge push for growth, and hence the huge need for analytics uh, in at Keysight. Wow. And so obviously it's a huge company, lots of different business lines. Are you sitting across all of those or are you in a specific segment of the business? Yeah, I'm in IT. So I am the responsible for providing uh, solutions for uh, analytics for across all the businesses like uh, finance, supply chain, sales, marketing, service, call center, HR. I'm sure I'm missing quite a order fulfillment, order management. So basically take care of all these functions, provide the data. So my team is responsible for Wall Street, providing data for Wall Street reporting, as well as operational reporting, analytical reporting, and uh, real-time reporting. It's a, it's a very small team. It's actually just 12 people, and but we support uh, several thousand users. So yeah, we can talk more about uh, how we support it and how we roll it out, yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. So it's that is quite unique that you're, you're. I mean, you've got you're a huge organization, but quite a small team. I mean, maybe it's not actually that unique. Maybe maybe that is 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 more the norm at the moment. But how do you how do you utilize your small team to make an impact across that many people? Right. So we clearly cannot build end dashboards or reports for several thousand users. So the only way we can scale is to provide the capability for others to build like the super users in all these businesses, the power users, so that they are able to build and self-serve on their on our, the platform that we provide. 
So my, me and my team are responsible for bringing data from many different applications and then making sure that it loads successfully every single day, several times a day, and then making sure that we provide the accurate certified data sets for super users in various businesses to use and build dashboards on top of. Yeah, it sounds simple, but it's very difficult to achieve. And not only that, to, to consistently run, in, run it daily, day in and day out, it's a quite a bit of a challenge to automate all of this end to end. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, this is this has been one of the the biggest learnings that uh, we've had over many episodes of the podcast is how important building the foundations around your data pipelines are. You can't do anything. You can, you can't reliably do anything from a reporting and dashboarding perspective unless you have the data pipeline set up. You know, from capturing the data cleaning it up, automating it, sending it out to distributing it, et cetera. So, you know, are they, would you be able to elaborate on some of those challenges and, and how you've gone yeah. about solving those? Yes. So when Seaside was formed, uh, or actually split from a company called Agilent about five years back, things were relatively simple because we had one single global ERP. Which, which, which was doing uh, not only sales, uh, you know, not only doing like core ERP functions like finance and supply chain, it was, all, it was doing all the other functions as well. But what happened since then is each business was not happy with the common one, simple, one common applications. So the, the CRM team started doing Salesforce, uh, the marketing team started doing Eloqua, and the revenue team implemented RevPro, and then this is a common pattern where smaller, more and more functions is going to best of breed cloud applications. So what happens in those situations is now your data is sitting in, in uh, now like 20 different applications and your core data, uh, financial data is sitting in the common ERP platform. So now it becomes very big challenge for the BI team to now take data from completely different kinds of sources and stitch them together and provide a, the data set that was available before in a lot more easier manner because it's coming from one application. So I would say this is probably one of the biggest challenges that uh, you know most companies are facing because of the you know the disparate system the data is coming from. So not only that, we inherited a very old BI, a bunch of BI systems. So we modernized them. It took about three years to completely uh, get rid of the old systems and come to the modern platforms so that we can enable the speed of change, we can enable performance improvements, we can enable cost improvements, we can enable self-service. And then, uh, yeah, all those huge advantages of the modern platform scalability is possible. So it took about three years for us to retool the BI tools and will probably be done in about a month to get rid of all the legacy platforms and move to the modern in-memory and cloud analytics platforms. Why, why do you think it takes so long? Like why does it take three years to, to do those transformations? So in our case, we had a lot of operational reports, like 2000 reports, which were running on a, a Hyperion Brio platform. And then we had OBIE tools running our sales orders reporting and then we had OBI Oracle Business Intelligence which was running financial reports uh, and others. So the challenge is that it takes this long because you have to get 
complete buy-in from everybody. You have to train every all the all the uh, all the various functions in a large company, and you have to build the data pipeline correctly. So you have one opportunity to get it right when you are retooling. If you again try to kind of make the same data model or same reports that came in the old way into the new platform, you are just moving the problem from one to the other. So you have to think of kind of where we want to go in the future and create the data models in that fashion. So I would say not only is the complexity of the reports, the complexity of the data models, it's also bringing everybody together into one common platform in the organizational as well as training, as well as for them to self-service. It takes time. It's not just a change management is a big thing in BI. Mm-hmm. And also getting it ac- uh, accurate, it's also very difficult. It's, you can get 80-90% accurate, but to get 100% accurate requires a lot of testing and mm-hmm. a lot of certification. So while you're doing this three years, the, the business is not, it's not standstill. So we right. made many acquisitions. We made many projects. There's a lot of initiatives. So all of these actually increases time because you are not... Nothing is in standstill anymore, right? Constantly things are changing. So you need to, this whole transformation, while it's happening, you may, it may go in up and down because you have to now focus on an acquisition integration or you have to focus on other priorities. So it takes a lot of time and and a vision and also leadership to make it happen. Right. No, that that makes sense. That makes sense. There's a you know, businesses are constantly evolving and requirements change, et cetera. So that, that your, your projects have to evolve with that. But what are you, what are some of the six strategies that you've used uh, successfully to take the requirements of thousands of users and prioritize what you should be doing for the business? You know, being a small team, you obviously don't have unlimited resources, right? So, so how do you make sure that, you know, you're, you're working out if you should help out finance versus marketing right so there's there's some common themes that are that are coming along there are, so the way i'm i look at it is is three kinds of reporting one is real time reporting so hmm. the way i define real time reporting is you want to know what's happening in the source system right now so this is like you can take like supply chain or, or order fulfillment or manufacturing, there are certain use cases where you want to know what's what's in the system right now so I know what to ship or things like that, very real-time requirements. Or then there is operational reporting. So operational reporting is how we define it as, how we define it as what happened four hours back or what happened two hours back or what happened in the last day. So how many, what happened to my campaigns in the last week or how did my orders do in the last week or last today or yesterday, or uh, which product should I, should I ship? Was there any issue in the systems? Uh, was there some delays? So those kind of things are operation reporting. But in operation reporting, what happens nowadays is the data comes from multiple sources. So in real-time reporting, data is coming from only one single source. Operational reporting, you have to still merge data from multiple sources, but you're, you're looking at what the current data is, maybe a week old, a month old, or a day old, or a few hours old. So that's kind of the timeline for the operational reporting. And then there is the analytical reporting. So the analytical reporting is where you are now looking at year-on-year performance, period over period, 
and uh, you you are looking at the, the the people who are using analytical reporting are the executives management and the data latency can be maybe a day once a day or it could be once a week once a month also it may be sufficient so when you look at it there are three kind of reporting real time operational and analytical reporting or, or analytics and the user base for these two are the real time reporting is line level folks operational reporting or operational managers and the analytical reporting are the are the managers and executives in your company so the demand for each of them is different so where you need the modern bi tools are uh, not visualization tools like a power bi or a tableau is is in the analytical reporting whereas the usage the the other two operational and real time they are happy with mostly listing reports but they want it to be consistent accurate so if you can find a way to segment your your requirements in and use cases then you can know where you you need to put your team's attention and focus on so you build your up real time and operational reporting once correctly folks are happy whereas the analytics the analytic the analytical reporting is where you uh, is constantly changing the requirements are changing and uh, demand from executives are different and it's more of data exploration where is my new business going to come from Mm-hmm. so so what we do in my team is we enable the real time and operation reporting we are mostly done there and then we are focuses on enabling the the more of the analytical reporting right now right. Uh, in all the three use cases we stop at the point of giving the dirty, the data sets uh, and then let the various user base build their own reports and we train the super users we train the power users and they train each other so that's the only way to scale for a large company right yeah no, I, i like that approach and that is that is an approach the, probably the most successful way that we've seen some of the the more modern tools being rolled out is that you have you do have a a centralized coordination but then you try and throw the the analytics to the to the more business users who understand um, what they need and understand the, the the data you know a little bit better and you sort of unleash the capabilities of these tools on them. And so I'd be interested like what sort of tools are you using for that? Is it Power BI, Tableau, others? Right. So for uh, for real time reporting what we do is I have a tool called Denodo which is a data virtualization tool. So we build the data models right on top of the operational system like Oracle or Siebel or uh, Salesforce. Mm-hmm. So and we let the users use whatever visualization they want. like we have spotfire we have tableau we have power bi we have excel uh, on top of denodo for real time reporting mm-hmm. so in this way the advantage of that is like each of these tools are not building their own data model whereas we build the central data model and they can just report out of that and then if there is a fourth tool fifth tool coming into the system they each one is not doing same joins over and over again Right. For operational reporting, we use a tool called Incoda, which is an in-memory analytics tool. They are a startup based out of San Mateo, so the, we use it heavily for our for operational reporting. And mm-hmm. we also use uh, Snowflake for cloud uh, for cloud system data from Salesforce and data from uh, Oracle CPQ and so on. And right. then for analytical reporting, we use uh, we are using a Power BI and we're using MicroStrategy and then. as a visualizations tools are come are coming and going 
but the core data model and data actual data pipeline is what is we are seeing can be long lasting right interesting yeah i i like that framework um that mental mental framework is that if you can build the 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 pipeline and the foundation of the pipeline effectively you know that that can actually have longevity while you know there'll be there'll be new applications new technologies come on stream but if you have that pipeline feeding those new technologies really set up well you know that that's where you can scale you can scale your investment um, and your data assets correct and i think that the vision for a single data lake is very important single mm-hmm. i would take single common data warehouse in our case it's made of two different tools in the back end one is encoder the other is snowflake so we have a lot of our historical data stored in snowflake but our primary data warehouse is uh, encoder out of which we are doing both our operational and analytical reporting and right. we have long history of data sitting in snowflake so we we use that for as a staging area to load into encoder as well as data coming from around 20 different operational sources like or as i mentioned oracle cbel salesforce eloqua mm. bunch of different applications mm. that is a a constant theme that i've um heard from many uh, over the last number of months uh, is is that having some sort of centralized data lake is what the sort of term is can really bring a lot of efficiencies to what you're doing you know not only from a just a technology point of view but like a governance point of view as well and just i i i think sets you up much much more effectively than if you're trying to work across many different databases many different data sources and this is also relevant for businesses of all sizes um it doesn't even need to be for larger organizations it could be for small to medium sized organizations because everyone's using saas based applications i mean data's just everywhere right And so if you can somehow centralize it with a easy to use tool you're really setting yourself up in a much better way to plug into things like Power BI and Tableau etc because then that can be your you know the the visualization layer on top of this more central repository of all your information right so the single data lake the way you should envision it is you have to move on from ETL to ELT so mm-hmm. what you need to do is to start ingesting data from your cloud saas application whether it's on premise or whether it could be business owned applications so you should start ingesting the data into your staging area and mm-hmm. then whatever transformations that you require by joining across these you can do that in your data in your data lake this is kind of the underlying principle of how dbt and snowflake work and mm-hmm. also you know how encoder works so it's important that you have that vision of ingesting data as and when as from various sources and you can provide you can directly report it on the ingested data or you can transform it if needed by joining across many of these data that came across by doing some transformation setting up aggregated tables so that uh, your visualization tools like power bi tableau mm. uh, whether domo or i mean there's so many of them but the key part is how do you set up your data pipeline and that vision should be very clear so that uh, you you can add more and more sources that co- there are going to come in so it could come from acquisition acquisition can throw a whole bunch of sources at you in one shot mm. so so uh, or it could be a, a transformation in the it tool structure so yeah so t- new sources are going to come all the time mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. I mean, the, how I'm sort of visualizing it in my mind is that you have all these data assets spread across all of your different um, technologies and business functions. And, you know, if you can bring them all into one, uh, you, you, the, the value of that asset will become much greater than the disparate sources of the, 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 that data and those data assets. You know, you'll be, able to, you'll be able to remove duplication. You'll be able to clean data more effectively. You'll be able to throw various different AI and machine learning models over the data when you consolidate it effectively. So there's so many benefits in, in getting this sort of like one central depository of information for a whole raft of reasons. So yeah, it makes total sense. Right. And the thing is, if you don't do it, the business is going to find a way to do it. But right. the overall cost to the company is going to be many fold compared mm-hmm. to you have one common vision across the company, which is not easy to achieve, but that's the way to do it. Because if you as IT is not doing it, the businesses, they will find a way mm-hmm. to do it. But then each one is going to do it on their own fashion, own way. And you're going to end up with a, a whole bunch of different numbers, a huge amount of cost, because everybody is now doing ETL, right? Or ELT around their own. Yeah, which is a waste. Now, I'd love to dive into part of your your job description, the intelligent automation manager part of it. What does what does that entail? That's quite a quite a quite a unique job description. So, you know, I, I, it, I, I do know there's a lot of like new technologies like UiPath and mm-hmm. um, RPA technologies coming out. So, I presume that's part of it. But I'd love to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think it's a very good question and. Uh, I think many people are familiar with RPA by now, so which is like more of a UI automation. So if, for example, you, you have some people keying in um, through 20 different ERP screens for various processes. And uh, so how, how you can automate uh, what a human does on a, on a PC. So we have use cases like we have POs coming from uh, suppliers and customers. POs can be 70 pages sometimes. Sometimes it will be small, sometimes it's huge. So what people uh, are doing is they key in this PO into the ERP system. So uh, whereas a tool like UiPath, you can use machine learning and read these POs. So each and, and each and every new kind of PO that comes in or an invoice, these machine learning models, they learn and then they start reading more and more better and then start ingesting into your ERP. And then we have use cases of new employee onboarding. So if an employee is onboarded, so how, how do you set them up with a laptop? How do you set them up in the systems, VPN? That's a huge workflow. So can you automate that? So even if you can't automate 100%, if you can automate 80% and let the humans do the remaining 20%, you still, you free up a lot of time. And I see that, the question is, where do you put this team in your company? It's, if you see, it's, the vision is very similar to BI, where you have a central small team enabling the tools and enabling the vendor relationship and enabling the, in the infrastructure. But then you let the various businesses come up with their own automation ideas you come, and own automation development and, mm-hmm. and whatever makes sense as ROI, you let them build it and then you move it into the central area to run and operationalize. 
So in intelligent, I see a lot of parallel between BI and intelligent automation and the machine learning as well as the AI capabilities are very similar to what you do in analytics. So I think it's it's a good a place to put this team into the if you look into your analytics team i think it's a natural extension for that team so that's why you know i took over that role and was able to successfully use my learnings from how to roll out a bi infrastructure out in the same in the in, in the auto, automation space as well yeah it, to, to me that makes sense because what you're what you're seeing with a lot of these big technology providers is they're democratizing not only bi but also the auto, the application build like apps building apps, internal apps, and also the automation side of it. So um, basically, if you can build the same um, implementation strategy around all of those, you know, the, 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 the technologies are being built to work around that. And is, it, is, it, is that the same thing that, you're, that you've recognized? That's right. Now, the thing is, what we in BI team learned is, we, have, we learned to work with finance, we learned to work with supply chain, we learned to work with sales, we learned to work with marketing, and automation also, all these groups need automation. I think you need to find the right, so it's not just CRM automation, not just finance automation, right? So BI teams are very well knowledgeable on how to work with each of those groups. So that's where the experience comes in to, to enable them the tools to build it. The second thing in automation is you should not centralize it. You should federate it out so the teams are building their own automation. So, and, and this is very little to separate between the UI automation and now the new trend is also low code, no code applications. So these two kind of go together. And the third part is the analytics. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I don't have a full vision of how it's going to evolve in terms of the automation side, mm. but it, I think it's very early stages. So it's going to be very interesting to see how automation UI automation, like UI path and the low code, no code thing is going to all play together in mm. the landscape. So it's going to be interesting to see over the next few years. To, to me, it's, it definitely seems like the trend, the, 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 big, the biggest wave is the no code, low code, the democratization of all of these technologies, like really making them as easy to, trying to make them as easy to use as say Excel is, for example. And I, I just don't see that stopping. I, I just see that that is where every large technology organization is heading. They're just trying to empower everyone to even create AI models and machine learning models eventually. Like it's just going to continue to happen, I feel. Yeah, it comes with the, it comes with the risk because unless you govern it properly, because yeah. you... Because I think the tools like UiPath, they are they are now pushing for a bot for everyone. The question mm -hmm. is, do you want somebody to write a bot on your ERP without testing it, without proper governance, without the proper login, etc.? So you may end up with a whole. If they run run something wrong, you may end up with a, a thousand POs or a million POs in under a minute, which mm -hmm. you are not ready for. It's all probably wrong data. It's going to take forever to clean up. So mm -hmm. uh, the question is, at to what level are you going to go for? So that's a, still a challenge. I think it's very similar, again, to BI, where, yes, these tools are becoming easier and easier. And it may not be a good thing unless you have a governance structure in place and you have understanding in the company that, hey, you know what, we have to work together and not each one doing their own thing. That's going to be in the organizational structure is going to be extremely key not only for BI, but also for all the low code, no code and 
for uh, the automations. Yeah, couldn't agree. I mean, I, I just think of it as the centralized coordination. So you, you're always going to need some sort of central governance strategy, some centralized rollout strategy. You know, there's, there's just no getting away with that. You, 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 it can't be the Wild West where everyone just goes off and does their own thing. But there's definitely strategies that can be implemented quickly right. and effectively. It's, it's not like it needs to be some onerous, you know, regulatory, internal regulatory team that just checks, checks off everything. Like it can be, a, can be an, an empowerment strategy. Um, and that's probably the best way to go about it. Right. So we have a, a, mo- a model called a federated COE model mm-hmm. where each function has their own development COE, but then there is an IT central COE, which, which is ultimately responsible for maintaining the platform and making sure that whatever is being built is being tested. So we just do a quick check of, uh, hey, is this bot doing what it's supposed to do or what it was supposed to announce to do? And then we do a quick round of testing and then we move to production. And mm-hmm. then we support it and ultimately scale it out so that a lot of de- developers come in, but, but there is a central team maintaining the production environment as well as the governance of the platform. So it's a federated COE model is working pretty well and it's able to scale rather than each one having their own automation strategy. Nice. And so what do you feel is the best strategy internally to empower your, your front of office users, your business units, users? So what sort of education strategies are you pursuing? Is there, is there any coordinated like meetings that you have specific for analytics? Like what, what are some of the things that you're doing to bring everyone together on the same page around these, around these initiatives? Yeah, so we're rolling out a similar federated COE model for analytics. So we are almost done with the modernization platform. So now it is time to harvest what we have achieved over the last three, four years. And so it's a lot of education that needs to happen. So I'm planning to get all the super users ready, making sure we have a core team of super users, which is the BICOE, and make sure that we understand what are the business problems in each of their, uh, each of their community, whether it is product teams, whether it's sales teams, whether it's a uh, the service teams and making sure we have a common vision. We don't have to all do the same thing, but we have to at least understand what challenges each groups are facing and which strategy or tools we can provide so that we are not caught surprised. This has happened many times. Very completely are unaware of what other groups are doing and they've gone ahead so far ahead in certain areas, but then they run into a roadblocks. Like they can't scale anymore, it's too slow, things like that, so that we can, that's a waste, right? You spend so much company resources and unaware of what others are doing, and then you end, you end up with a bottleneck, right? So it's kind of way we have to avoid that in the future. That's kind of one of my big goals. So mm-hmm. to be aware of what else is going on in the various functions so that uh, we are not caught unaware with some, some development that is we're not aware of. And it's not easy, but it's kind of, you're getting there in terms of being aware of all the requirements that come in and how to enable the solutions for them. What, what I think would be interesting is, is what are some, uh, some, like real, some innovative projects that you're working on or just, some, just high level, like what are some, some big wins that, that you've had or, or, or are working towards that can inspire you know, those tuning in to you know, pursue similar sort of things? Yeah, so there are several big initiatives in the company. One of them last year was a revenue recognition project. Keysight is going from traditional hardware selling 
to more solution selling and more of recurring revenue. And it's also going towards software. So recognizing software revenue is different from what it was. So for that, we implemented a solution called RevPro, uh, which is a cloud revenue uh, management system. So a key part of ERP was recognizing revenue. And now that is taken out of ERP and moving to the cloud on a revenue RevPro. But the challenge for BI is that now your data coming from two big sources and we are expected to stitch the data together and then provide revenue reporting for the company. Revenue reporting, as you know, is hugely important for every function, not only finance, but sales, everybody. So the question, including tax, including your, your external Wall Street reporting, so how do you provide a single framework for all these functions when now data has gone from one application to two different applications? So this is where your common data lake strategy has to work. So can you do a deep join between these two? Can you union them? Can you join them can, uh, in, in multiple different ways? Can you perform, can it now perform at a very good level, not only for operational folks, but even for the executive level and the management level? Yeah, I think this is kind of this was a test for our BI strategy. Actually, is it going to work? And it actually worked really well because of primarily because of the new tools like Encoda, which is in in memory applications, and it's you can join easily across a, as different two different data sets. You can union them. You can yeah, you can do all kind of different manipulation. It's basically ELT extract from your two different sources. You transform them and you provide a common data set, you can provide one or more common data sets for your operational team or for your management teams. So, and you can build on top of it for more aggregations for revenue over year, year over year, whether it's going to be, how did my product do this month versus last month, this month, last quarter, this year, last year, and then you can do trending over multiple years. So it's for data exploration. So I would say that these large use the opportunity of these large projects where you can get a lot of funding to you know enable your BA strategy as well. And I would say that you have to, as you have a BA strategy, you have to build on top of it and not really try to build a siloed application require siloed BI just because there is a new initiative in your company. Mm-hmm. One of the things that comes to mind when you were going through that example is that. And I think this is becoming um, increasingly important as a sort of BI, any BI professional is that it's, it's, it's a lot of it is actually just recognizing how to bring different pieces, pieces of the puzzle together, identifying what pieces of technology you need up and down the data pipeline stack, and then sort of creatively bringing them all together to actually get the output that you need. And, you know, a lot of that is just staying very, I think, is just staying, staying very well versed around some of the technologies that are coming out, how, how you can integrate them. A lot of, like, nearly out of, out of the box, nearly all technologies are trying to become much more integrated, right? It's, right. Not, it's not the old days where, well, I think it still happens in, in some regards where, you know, Microsoft or Amazon try to trap you or, or you know, even SAP try and trap you in their Oracle, try and trap you in their systems, right? Like, Basically, you know, you, you want to make sure that everything can um, interact together and everything can be plugged into other things so that you can bring best of breed for, for whatever you need. And, you know, I think that's a big part of BI now. Like, I think that is truly a big part of your role, uh, anyone in this space. Absolutely. Yes, you're right. And, it's, and the thing is that there are so much noise in the BIT system 
like Google has now bought Looker and they have their own stack now. And then you have you have SAP with its own stack, Oracle with its own stack, and then Microsoft definitely has its own stack. The question is, how do you choose, right? And the thing, and then once you choose, how do you stick to that platform? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's going to be plus and minus. But the thing is that are you really ready, ready to move all your reporting from one tool to the just another tool because it's 10% better than certain areas. Mm. Uh, you're not, you're never going to have the perfect BA platform. And so the question is, are you really at a, like a 90% good enough, right? So you mm. have to kind of learn to make trade-offs as well. Otherwise you'll just be moving the same thing from tool set A to tool set B. So that you have to be very careful. That's why my focus is on the data pipeline and make sure that you can accommodate any BI tool that comes into the system so that the changes are happening at the front end level and not on your data pipeline level. Yeah, this is the, the data pipeline to me is a, is a, is a great concept that, that has come up many times, um, many, many conversations. And I, and I think that a lot of analysts these days, we spend a lot of time in the visualization tools, right? The analysis tools. And I think if you really want to showcase your value more is you need to become much more well-versed in the data pipeline, the entire data pipeline, because there's certain things that are more optimized, are better to do at certain areas of the pipeline. Not everything needs to be done at this final you know, reporting stage or this final visualization stage. And that's that's one of the big learnings for me, certainly um, over, over many months now from speaking to many um, you know, experts, data leaders like yourself is that is becoming more and more important. So, you know, just having a much, you don't have to know, you, know, you don't have to be a DBA, but you can just have an understanding of like how to build a data lake or how to bring things together in a data lake. What sort of data cleaning techniques you need to use to be able to make sure the data is optimized. And then, you know, once you set that, that foundation up well, well then, you know, you're going to be able to really do that added value stuff, you know, get, get that great analytics out there to, to decision makers and, and to where it's going to be utilized the best. Yeah, just a quick advice on this one from, at least from a learning point is, yes, you have an analyst like a Power BI Tableau and each of them have their own small data pipeline. For example, Tableau has Tableau data prep and Power BI has its own piece and then Looker has its own piece. The question is, what works for 1 million rows does not work for a billion rows or even like a 10 million. What works for 10 million rows doesn't work for 100 million rows. Mm-hmm. And what works for 100 million rows doesn't work for now 3 billion rows. The question is, they, they build, these, a lot of analysts build because they start with very small data sets and mm-hmm. all the dashboards are performing, their, their data pipeline is working really well, but then now they try to scale and then they hit bottlenecks because it's slow and it's just, everything just comes to a standstill. The question is, you have to, if you're just uploading your own spreadsheets, that's one thing. But if you're now dealing with a corporate a big data sets, you, it's better to leave it that to the experts and let them provide the data pipeline and certified data sets mm-hmm. so that you can now work on that last mile of BI and provide value to your users. So mm-hmm. getting this balance is not easy. And this is where I think the next set of BI successes needs to happen. How do these teams work together? Because mm-hmm. there are many tools claiming many things. The question is which one to use for what is going to be 
extremely important so that uh, mm-hmm. you can actually have a successful BI strategy that is working. Mm. Well, in, in my view, the best data analysts, the, 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 the best analytical thinkers and workers within organizations are going to have the recognition of what they need to scale. It's not just about building a dashboard anymore. It's about how can you scale these? And, you know, as I, as, as I said earlier, you don't have to know how to do exactly all of it, but you need to have a recognition of what you need and then who to go and approach to actually make it happen. And I also, I also love the last mile analogy as well, because that's just so, so true in, in analytics, isn't it? It's like, you know, you can, uh, the success of your entire logistical enterprise around analytics can be won or lost in that last mile, you know? Exactly. And, you know, if you can, if you can nail, if you can nail the scalability and effectiveness of that last mile across your organization, you're well on your way to having a, a, a superior implementation of, of all your BI initiatives. I agree. Yep. Perfectly said. So we're getting to the end here, um, Raf. One of my questions I'd like to ask, um, one of my last questions I'd like to ask is, what are you most excited about? Like uh, you're obviously in a really great position to be able to see a lot of the new things that are coming out um, and seeing how they can be successfully implemented within within a large organization. So what is exciting you most about any area of analytics? Could be technology, value generation, buy-in from 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 management, et cetera, or you know, in and amongst that, what are what are what are the things that you get most excited about? Right. So I think what I get excited about is to get buy-in from various groups. So you have you have a vision, and uh, are they adopting your vision, and are they getting success out of the out of the vision, and of your BI strategy or BI landscape, and are is one group helping other groups now come onto that platform? So it's that's I think a true scalability within the company. Now the second thing is how else can you leverage your single data lake? Right, so so that I think is next step. Is for example, how can you pro- have other use cases? Can it now have some machine learning on top of that to help increase your business in a different ways? That's where we are exploring. I think it's possible now that you have data in one place. It took a long time to get there, but then once you get there, how do you now leverage that for for various different use cases? For for example, in our case. We are using that to mine potential for new opportunities and new renewals of high, for example, very high margin renewals for our platforms that how do you identify which customer is going to renew and which customer is not going to renew certain uh, certain products. You can identify churn. You can identify a whole bunch of things if you have a single data lake. So how do you come up with new business model based on data is going to be key thing that for the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how do you make sure you don't know the answers because the business is so big, but how do you enable the businesses to start looking at the data in a different perspective rather than just, you know, what uh, reporting purposes? Yeah, I, I really like that, that, uh, that, that and couldn't agree more. I think that the opportunities to get everything centralized up in the cloud will open up opportunities that, that, that you, you, you didn't even know existed. That, right. that, that is my feeling. And that's only going to continue with all of these technologies that you'll be able to layer on top of that. And it comes to, and it'll only work with people alignment that across the company. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So I would say that if you're starting a new BI platform, new BI initiatives, get your organization structure correct before 
you get into anything else. So mm. it's very critical. Great. Okay, Bharat, why don't we round off there? I think it was a, a brilliant discussion. Really appreciate all your insights and, and being able to leverage off your experiences is something that I you know, really enjoyed and I'm sure all our listeners would have uh, got a lot, of, a lot out of it as well. So you know, really appreciate your time today and, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Sam. Great. Okay, well, thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in and uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening app and uh, many more great discussions just like this one coming out in the near future. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's great to be connected, and I hope you are enjoying the content we're creating through the Analytic Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this session, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of each episode as we release them. If you want to learn more about Enterprise DNA and the many initiatives we're working on, check out www.enterprisedna.co. There we have a range of resources to download, events to attend, and information to explore. We're leading the charge around this new paradigm we're living in where tools like Power BI can literally change how an organization manages, analyzes, and distributes insights that can make an impact. It's an exciting moment in the analytics space. So glad that you're on this journey with us. Take care.